0: Hallelujah! I want to just say every once in a while, I appreciate them all the time, but every once in a while, I'm just always reminded of what a blessing it is to have a praise team like we do, uh, who plays and, 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 uh, just under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. This on the Wednesday nights, Jim's been playing, uh, music throughout the prayer time, just been really blessed by that on Sunday mornings. We've been so blessed. And so why don't you just, uh. Well, do it this way. Let's give the Lord praise for the praise team that he's blessed us with. Would you give the Lord praise for that? (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It's an awesome thing to be able to come in and enter into the presence of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 58, we are finishing out here, at at least at Abundant Life, a month of prayer and fasting. And I don't know how many of you participated in any way or form in the fasting with us, Uh, but fasting can be kind of a difficult thing sometimes. Uh, well, actually, all the time, if you're like me, no matter what it is that you're fasting. Uh, and one of those, the reasons for that is that we're just not really used to, in our society and in our culture, denying ourselves anything that we really want. That's one of the reasons for fasting. God encourages us to, from time to time, set aside something uh, that, that we would normally do so that we can focus instead upon spending time in the presence of God. We don't fast, and we didn't fast during the month of February so that we could change God because God doesn't need to be changed, number one. God is good. He's always good. He wants to do the things that need to be done in our nation and in our churches and in our families and in our neighborhoods more than we want them done. So we're not trying to change God. There's nothing we could do that would twist God's arm and make Him change. If we could, then we would be God instead of Him. So we didn't fast for that reason. We fasted. If you participated in that fast, you did that hopefully because you knew you needed to change. Hopefully because you knew that there are things in my life that stand in between me and really seeking God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I feel like if I spend more time in the presence of God and more time in His Word, that He can transform and change me and make me more like Him so that I'm more able more quickly to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and to do what He says. But in Isaiah chapter 58, he's talking about fasting. And he's talking about something that goes further than just declaring a fast. He's talking about living a fasted life. And I I appreciate everybody who participated in a month of fasting with us. But I think far more important for the people of God is if we live a yielded, consecrated, fasted life. A life that's always set apart for the presence of God. So in Isaiah chapter 58 verse 1, the prophet says, cry aloud. Don't hold back anything. Spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet and tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. That immediately puts me in remembrance of 2 Chronicles 7.14 that you know also well. Where the word of the Lord says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and I'll heal their land. That's not where we're going to focus today is in Second Chronicles, but if you've been here very long, if you've heard me very often, you know that that's kind of a soapbox for me because many of the times when we look around our nation and we see the trouble in our culture, we see the darkness in our culture, we see all the chaos that's going on around us, we have a tendency to blame government and blame media and blame Hollywood and blame music and blame the you know, kids and teenagers and millennials and college age and anybody that we can throw a finger at and point a finger at, we love to blame people for where we are. I, I notice that usually the fingers not pointing at us, we usually find a way of escaping the blame. It's usually somebody else's fault. You know, if Hollywood would get there at together, if Washington would get there at together, if Frankfurt would get there at together, if if teenagers would get there at together, if millennials would get there at together, if my wife or my husband or my son or my daughter or my grandkids, if they'd all get there at together, then everything could begin to change. That's why I love 2 Chronicles 7.14 so much because, see, there's a problem with that thinking. If you really think about it, you'll understand why. Because if it's everybody else's fault and that's why we are where we are, then change depends on somebody besides me. And that could be a serious problem. Because, see, I can't control any of those people. See, I'm not saying that I approve of everything that's pumped out of Hollywood. I don't. I'm not saying that I approve of everything in our culture because I don't. I'm not saying I approve of all the music today because I don't. I'm not saying I like every legislation and every bill that's passed in Washington or Frankfurt or our local municipalities, because I don't. But I can't always, I can vote, I can pray, but that's about as far as my influence goes. And it doesn't always get things done the way I want them, but I can always change me. And you see, if the way our nation goes, if the fate of our nation is dependent on government, then guess what? I don't care which party's in the White House or in the State House. We're in trouble. And if the state of our nation is dependent upon the media, we're in trouble. If the state of our nation is dependent on somebody else who's not living for God, we could be in serious trouble because I can't necessarily change that person no matter how hard I may try. But God didn't say any of that. He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. And then he says, turn from their wicked ways. So he says the problem with the nation of Israel he's speaking to is not sin in other countries, It's sin in this country. It's not sin in somebody else's house. It's sin in your house. It's not idolatry everywhere else around you. It's idolatry in your own home, in your own heart, in your own life, and in your own mind. If you will get that turned around, then I can heal your land regardless of what's going on around you. What can make the difference is when my people get serious about following me. In Isaiah Isaiah chapter 58, the prophet is told by the Holy Spirit to raise his voice and hold not nothing back, and to tell the covenant people of God to basically, are you ready, get things right with God, make it right, get this stuff settled, turn from your wicked ways, get rid of your idols, and follow me, specifically he says this in verse 2, he says, yet even though there's sin in the house of Jacob, they seek me daily, and delight to know my ways. As a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God, they ask of me the ordinances of justice. And notice this. They take delight in approaching God. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? And why have we afflicted our souls? And you take no notice. But in fact, God says, in the day of your fasting, you find pleasure. And you exploit all your laborers. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate and to strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast that I have chosen a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast? An acceptable day to the Lord. And the answer to that question I can give you, if you were a Jew in that time and frame, yes, that's exactly what you would call a fast. See, to them, a fast was putting on all the sackcloth and ashes and going through all the motions and, 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 and looking like they had lost their best friend and going around and just making sure everybody knew that they were miserable because they were crying out to God. And, and they would. Boy, they'd afflict themselves. So they'd do all kinds of things thinking that if I do enough, then God has to do what I'm asking Him. And God said, this is not what I'm looking for. Because the problem was, they could get real serious about afflicting themselves with all all kinds of disciplines in a crisis so that God would do something for them. But the problem was their heart was never changing. When the crisis was over, they would go right back to their idols. As a matter of fact, while they were fasting, they would come, as a matter of fact, it says they loved to approach the throne of God. If we want to just kind of bring this into modern times, man, they loved worship. They loved worship. They couldn't get enough of it. They loved the music. They love to go to the concerts. They love to buy the CDs or download them on their their iPhones or their iPads. They love the music. They love the conferences. They love the seminars. They love coming to church, especially if church was full of those type of things. They love love to hear good teaching. They love to hear a good speaker. They'd download the podcast. They'd find out what their favorite preacher or teacher or prophet was saying. They'd get their next book. As a matter of fact, if it's their next book, they're going to make sure to get it. They've got a catalog. Of all their favorite authors in the bookshelf They've got a catalog of all their favorite singers They've got all the CDs They love all the things that surround God The problem is they're not changing They still follow the same idols They still commit the same sins They still have the same attitudes All the things they're doing for God Has not changed the way they treat each other they still have all of the bitternesses and all the resentments and all the grudges and all the unforgiveness hidden in their hearts. All of the things they're doing religiously is not changing and changing them on the inside. And God's saying, That's not the fasting I'm looking for. I know that's what you think I'm looking for. But He's saying to His own people through the prophet, That's not what I want. I'm not interested in seeing how many CDs you own or how many good, uh, not Hosanna, boy, I'm going back in time. Show my age right there. I don't care how much Jesus Culture or Hillsong United or whoever else you've got that you've got downloaded on your iPhone. I don't care how many passion conferences you go to. I don't care that you've got all of the latest messages from whoever you want to name. From Joel Osteen and you, I don't like Joel Osteen to Billy Graham, download it. On, I guarantee you, you like one of them. Download it on your iPad. I don't care how much you like them. I don't care if you wept at Billy Graham's funeral the other day on TV. My question is, did Billy Graham's message change your life? I'm not interested in how many worship songs you can sing from memory. I'm interested in how many idols you've cast down over the last year. I'm not interested. See, that's not the fast I'm requiring. That's what you think gets me to answer your prayers. You think if, you get, if I can just do it serious enough for a little while, if I can just get in church for a little while, if I can just tithe enough, if I can just give enough, if I can just pray enough, if I can just read the Scriptures enough, if I can just maybe go volunteer my time at this ministry enough, Then I'm going to get God's attention and He's going to answer my prayers. And God's saying, you got that wrong, folks. Because you know what? Anybody can do that. You don't even have to be a Christian to do that. There are a lot of people who don't know the Lord that give charitably. There are a lot of people who don't know the Lord that volunteer for all kinds of outreaches. There are a lot of people who don't know the Lord that love certain styles of music. There are a lot of people who don't know the Lord that love to hear a good communicator. And let's just be honest, the Christian church today has been blessed with some very good communicators out there. We've got some people who can make you laugh, make you cry. We've got some of the best motivational speakers in the world in the Christian church, and I guess that's good. We should. I mean, if, there's, if, if Jesus can't motivate you, I don't know what else can. So, I mean, let's just be honest. We, we've got some good stuff out there. So, here's my point. We're just like the people Isaiah was speaking to. And then we do all of these things. We come to church every Sunday, and we go to conferences and we pay our tithe and we give our offerings and we download our stuff. and, But it seems like we never change. And so God's calling attention to that, not because He's trying to, to beat the people down. He's always trying to lift the people up. And He's saying, you're going about it the wrong way. Here's the problem. If you keep doing it this way, I'm not going to be able to bless you. And I want to bless you. If you keep doing it this way, I'm not going to be able to answer that prayer and meet that need. And I want to answer that prayer and meet that need. If you keep going about it the way you're going about it, thinking that you're going to manipulate me by the confessions you make or the songs you sing or how many times you've come to church or all the conferences that you've went to or all of those things. Isaiah, lift up your voice and hold nothing back and tell my people their sin. You've done all these things and yet you still hate one another. You've done all these things and yet you're still gossiping about one another. You've done all these things and yet you still have unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart towards people that did something to you 25 years ago. You've done all these things. You've said all these things and you think I've got to answer you and yet you've still got this sin that I've convicted you about so many years ago and you're still holding on to that and you're making excuses for why you can't let it go and you've still got it. I'm telling you, it's not to put you down. But God said, I want to lift you up. Here's the fast that I'm looking for. He says in verse 6, Is this not the fast that I've chosen? I want to loose the bonds of wickedness. I want to undo the heavy burdens. I want to let the oppressed go free and I want you to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring into your house the poor who are cast off? When you see the naked, that you cover them and that you not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then, and this is what we all want to get to. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing, your healing, your individual healing shall spring forth speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. You shall call and the Lord will answer. You'll cry and he will say, here I am. Now doesn't that sound great? I mean, if that was happening in our life, we're charismatic Pentecostal church, so we'd be having a shouting fit, right? Somebody run around the building or something. Because our light's breaking forth and our healing's coming speedily and our righteousness is before us and the glory of God's here and our prayers are getting answered. Well, God says, that's what I want too. See, we have this idea. It's a very religious idea. That we almost have to twist God's arm to get Him to do something good. You know, if I just do enough of this, I find myself praying that way a lot, you know, even though I know better. How many of you ever amazed yourself because you know better, but you still do it anyway? I'm like running down the road saying, oh, God, you know, I just need more of you, and I need, you know, this, so God, I, I don't know, I don't know what to, I guess if I just study more, I guess if I just do that, and all of that's good. You know, if you're studying the Word more because you're hungrier for more of God, that's a good thing. You can't get enough of the Word of God. If you're praying more just because you want to spend more time in the presence of God, that's a good thing. You can't get enough of God. If you're getting involved and getting engaged in some ministry more because that's just the passion of your heart, your heart beats for that, it just feels like you found your spot, When you're, that's a wonderful thing. But if you're doing any of those things to get God's attention, if you're doing any of those things because you think somehow you, that's what's holding things back, you're just like a Pharisee. Because that's what they did. Jump through these hoops and God will love you. Jump through these hoops and God will meet your needs. Jump through these hoops and everything will be okay. I want to tell you as a pastor standing here today, I'd love to have you in church every time the doors are open. There ain't nobody who'd love to see that more than me. I'd love to have you pray more. I'd love to have you give more. I'd love to have you study God's word more. It would be good for you. But I'm also a pastor who's going to tell you the truth. If you think you're doing those things to get God to love you more, or bless you more, you're way, 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 Off in left field. Because God could never love you more than He loves you right now. God already wanted to do for the people of Israel what they were trying to force Him to do by jumping through these hoops. But what God really wants to do is change. Listen, this is is the meat here. This is where I want to get to. He wanted to change the things that were on the inside of them that were keeping them in bondage to begin with. See here's what happens a lot of times. God in his kindness. God in his mercy. See mercy is getting something we don't deserve and that's we get that all the time. So God in his kindness and mercy he just blesses us. I want you to think for a minute, don't raise your hand but just think. How many times have you seen God answer a prayer or meet a need in your life? <laughs> You weren't even looking to God at the time, but He did it anyway, and you got blessed with this, or that problem went away, or, or whatever. But what was on the inside of your heart that may have put you in that mess to begin with, you never dealt with, and within months, days, or weeks, you were right back in the same spot. If you can identify with that, now you understand why God wants to get to the heart of the matter. Because, you see, He can do everything you want Him to do today. He, he can set you free He can take care of that problem. He can remove it right out of your path. He's big enough to do that. He even wants to do that. But the problem is if there's something on the inside of you, if there's idolatry in your life, if there's a sin in your life, if there's choices that you're making that keeps putting you back in that same spot again and again, he's not helping you by removing that. He wants to. But what he really wants to do is get to the heart of it. So he says, here's the fast that I've chosen. Here's what I really want. I want you to loose the bonds of wickedness and I want you to let the heavy burdens go. I I, want to set the oppressed free. I want to break every yoke and that includes yours. That includes mine. So it's a twofold thing. God says, I want you free and I want you to let other people free. So who are you mad at today? Oh, you didn't know I was going to ask you that. Who are you mad at today? Who are you angry with? Who are you not forgiving? Who are you holding resentment against? God says, here's the fast I want. Let them go. Just let them go. But you don't know what they did. That doesn't matter. You see, letting go offenses and bitterness doesn't mean that you're calling what they did right. It just means that you're saying they're in God's hands and it's God's job to take care of them, not mine. So I'm not holding this anymore. I'm letting it go. Because Jesus forgave me when I didn't deserve it, I will forgive and release them even though they don't deserve it. I'm letting it go. So who are you angry with? Who can you not forgive? God's saying, that's the fast I want. I want to break that chain of unforgiveness over your life. What sin is it that you think I can't get victory over? Well, you can. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can, but God says, I want you to lay that at my feet. Every second of every hour of every day, I want you to come and lay that down. I want you to give it to me. Give it to me. What we did this morning, we were talking about people who were battling with fear, anxiety, oppression or oppression in their life. What they basically did, the people who came forward, is for a little while, at least, they came and laid it at the feet of the Lord. They took all that that they were dealing with whether there was a reason that they could put their hand on for it or a reason they couldn't identify. And for a little while, at least, they put it in God's hand. Now, now let me tell everybody who was up here, this is just the way it works. I don't write the rules. This is just the way it works. Eventually, the enemy that put that in your heart to begin with is going to come back. He's going to show up knocking at the door of your heart saying, I want to give you this fear back. I want to give you this anxiety back. I, I want to give you this problem back. I want you to take it back. Here's how he does that. Start thinking about it. See, the Bible says take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So here's how Satan does it. He comes and he offers you a thought. Here it is. Here's the thought. Now, if you'll take that thought, you can have back that anxiety. You can have back that fear. You can have back that oppression. You can have back that sin. Whatever it is that you came for. If you'll take that thought, you're going to start taking that back. But if instead you'll take that thought the same place you took it this morning, right back to the hands of Jesus and lay it down, then that oppression and that anxiety and that brokenness, you can be free of that. That's what the Bible says. The fast I want is the fast that breaks every chain and sets people free. I don't want to just break your chains, although he wants to break your chains and mine. He says, I want you to be so liberated by the freedom that you have that you go around breaking chains of everybody that you're holding in bondage to. That's why you got to get rid of the unforgiveness. I want to set you free so that you can go around and start setting other people free. everywhere you are, If you see somebody oppressed, I want you to share the love of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the power so that they can be set free. The fast that I've chosen gets inside of you and changes the way you see people and changes the way you live your life and changes the way you care about people it gets so inside of you that you start sharing your bread with the hungry you start reaching out with compassion to others the Bible says when we do that oh by the way I don't want to miss this and don't hide yourself from your own family too from your own house that means even your family yeah even the uncle that you don't like yeah don't hide yourself from them either Begin at home. Begin right where you are. The daughter, the son, the grandson, the granddaughter, the mother, the father that you haven't talked to in a while. Let it begin here. Let healing and restoration begin here. Then, and I've got that circled in my Bible because it means not before. It means then. Then. Your light will break forth. Then your healing will come. Then your righteousness will go before you. Then the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you'll call on the Lord and he'll answer. Then you'll cry and he'll say, here I am. But until then, sometimes you'll get a splash of mercy. Sometimes you'll get kind of a, 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 an inadvertent, because God loves you so much he don't mind blessing you. But you see, here's the problem. You'll never hold on to it until you let God heal you. You'll never hold on to whatever it is God's given you until you let God go to the root and pull out the things that are destroying you. He goes on, he says this, if you take away the yoke from your midst, notice this specifically, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness. Accusation. Man, it's so easy for us to pass judgment on. I do it all the time. One of those things I said, I know better than to do it. I even preach, don't do it. I still do it. I make quick judgments about just like that. That's better. I make quick judgments just like that. That person. That person. They, this, that. I don't know a thing about them. I have no idea what happened last night. I have no idea what their life has been like. Please understand, I'm not justifying sin. Sin is sin. There are no excuses for sin. doesn't matter what's happened in people's life. And if people sin, there are consequences to that, period, end of story. However, I can have a whole lot more compassion for somebody, no matter where they're at, if I know why they're there. But what we love to do is make judgments. And here's another thing, just like I said earlier. It's amazing how easy we are on ourselves and how hard we are on other people. There's always a reason why I do what I do that's wrong. I got a bad attitude today, and I know it, but but, but, you just don't know. But now, you need to straighten your attitude out. You ain't got no excuse for yours. But you don't know, I don't care. It's not as bad as the day I've had. I got a reason for mine. You ain't got a reason for yours. Isn't that the way it works? We may not use those exact words, but that's how we think. And God's saying to us, He's saying, hey guys, what I really want to do in your life, the way I really want to move in your heart, is I want you to stop pointing the finger. I want you to stop speaking wickedness. He says, if you extend your soul instead to the hungry and you satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness. And I love this little, I love this part of the verse. Your light shall rise or dawn in the darkness, and your darkness. And by the way, everybody's going to have, a, everybody's going to have some rainy days. I don't care how much faith you've got. I really wish I could just dispel the thought that you can get enough faith to stop having problems. That's one of the biggest lies that's ever been pushed by anybody who claims to be a preacher. There is no such thing as coming to a level of faith where you don't have problems anymore. Jesus even said, as long as you're in this world, is there anybody that's out of body today, you're not here? Okay, then you're in this world. So this fits you. In this world, you will have trouble. Jesus said it. So unless you want to disagree with Jesus... We better get on the train with what Jesus said, not what brother or sister so-and-so said. I'm going to trust Jesus more, okay? So as long as you're here, you're going to have trouble. As long as you're here, there's going to be some rain. There's going to be some storms. There's going to be some difficulties. That doesn't mean that God's forsaken you. That doesn't mean that you don't have enough faith. That doesn't mean that you failed somewhere. You know what it means? It means you're alive. It means you're breathing, and it means you're in a fallen world. That's what it means. But the good news is, God says, even your darkness shall be as the noonday. God can bring us to a place. He doesn't say darkness is going to go away. It doesn't say that we're not going to come to a place where we have no trouble. He says, even your worst trouble, you're going to have light as bright as the noonday sun. Even in the middle of your trouble, I'm going to be right there with you. Jesus is the great shepherd of the sheep. Psalm 23 says that wherever we are, He's there. He goes before us. He prepares a table before us in the very presence of our enemies. He leads us and He guides us. God's never changed His pattern. He still does that today. So if we'll trust Him, and if we'll allow Him to work in our hearts and change us from the inside out, then even our darkest hour will be like the noonday sun. The Lord will guide you. I love this. The Lord will guide you continually continual, 24-7, all the time. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be hearing an audible voice 24-7. I worry about people like that. And I'm charismatic, and I still worry about people like that. I believe God still speaks, but that doesn't mean you're going to hear, Thus saith the Lord, all the time. What it simply means is you're going to be walking down, and this is what the Bible literally says. You'll hear a voice behind you as you walk in the way saying, this is the way, walk in it. That means you're just going to be walking along your path, but you've been seeking God about what to do. You want to honor God and everything, and here comes an opportunity, and you're just going to know that you know that you know deep down inside. That's it. Do it. That's it. That's right. You just heard the Lord. You, you, you're walking along your path, and, and there's somebody, and you hit, feel this, just this impression on the inside of you. Talk to them. Pray for them encourage them you've heard the Lord no lightning flashes no earthquakes you know no 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 angel songs you you've just heard the Lord you've heard the voice of the Lord the Bible says that when we allow him to work these things out in our heart he will guide us continually the word that we've stored up in our heart have you ever had this happen you're right in the middle of something and all of a sudden a scripture that you don't even remember when you read it or where you read it but it fits that moment exactly comes to your mind out of nowhere That's God guiding you continually, and that's what he desires to do. He says he will satisfy our soul even in drought. So when everything around us is falling apart, when everybody around us is is struggling, the Bible says if you'll be this person who walks with me and honors me, I'll keep your soul satisfied even in the midst of a dry time. He says, and I'll strengthen your bones And you'll be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And those from among you, church of God, who chooses to honor God, will build the old waste places, raise up the foundations of many generations. You'll be called the repairer of the breach and the restorer of streets to dwell in. God says, hey, everything I've done before, I'm getting ready to do it again. Everything the church has ever been, I'm getting ready to raise it up and make it that way again. I'm getting ready to make the church a repairer of those things that are broken. I'm going to be getting ready to raise up the church of Jesus Christ and make it a restore. I'm getting ready to do the things that I desire to do in your nation and in your city and in your family and in your community, and I'm going to do it through my church. But it's got to be a church who has let me strip away the pride and strip away the selfishness and strip away the sin and strip away the idolatry and strip away the judgmentalism and strip away all of the things that stand in between you and me you know what a real revival looks like i really genuinely believe it. i love it don't get me wrong i love it when people get emotional it makes hey it just you it's just kind of contagious somebody gets excited you get excited somebody cries it kind of makes you want to cry you know, I, I, I love that. It, it's enthusiastic. It's wonderful. But I've got a feeling that's not what real revival necessarily looks like. Do you know what real revival looks like? I believe. If somebody in this room today leaves this service, gets in the car, and the husband looks over at the wife or the wife looks over at the husband and says, you know what I said this morning? I'm really sorry. I was wrong. There's no excuse. Would you forgive me? Now that, that's revival. You know, that, that, uh, that person that you've been holding resentment against, if you just get on your face today and you say, God, I forgive. I let them go. I release them. If you've said something or done something where you need to go make it right, you go make it right. That sin that you've been holding on to and justifying and excusing for so long. If you get before God today and you say, God, there's no excuse. I give this to you right now here today. If you'll help me, Holy Spirit, come. I'm going to walk away from this. I'm going to cut ties. Whatever I need to do, I'm going to make this right. That's revival. That's revival. If you go out to eat today and you're, <laughs> what you normally do when you're eating lunch is talk about people. Well, what would you think about pastor's sermon today? I know y'all never do this now. But what what do y'all think? I know if you ever said anything about it, you'd say, oh, it's the best I've ever heard, I'm sure. But what if if you sit around today and instead of cutting up and, and, and slicing and dicing, you say, you know what? God's good. It's been a good day. Bless the Lord. We live in a free country. I was able to go to church today. Bless the Lord, I was able to sing to the top of my lungs if I chose to about how much I love Jesus. I was able to be with a lot of other people who love Jesus and they love me and they encourage me. I thank God I got to talk to some people who really care about where I'm at today. Man, I thank God that we were able to hear the word of God today. I thank God for health and strength today. What if we talked about all the things God's done today instead of about people? See, when that starts happening, we're having revival. That's the real deal. And that's what God says He's looking for. He's waiting for the church to become restorers and repairers. That's what he wants to cause us to be. Verse 13 will close out. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, notice this phrase, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and instead you call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and shall honor him not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord. I will cause you... Well, wait, Wait a minute, let's stop there and I'll come back to that. God's talking about coming to a place where when He talks about the things that He asks of us, we start delighting in those things. Well, I guess there's nothing left to do but pray. Let's pray. No, no, no. Let's pray. Let's seek God. Oh, we've got this problem. Have you sought God yet? Let's pray. God can do anything. Well, I guess it's time for me to do my devotions. No, no, no. Thank you, God, that I can spend some time before you. Thank you, God, for the teachers, who have been anointed by the Holy Spirit to write devotions where I can take a piece of your word every day and you can speak to me the way you've spoken to them. Thank you God that I can get in my car, I can turn on the radio to a station that plays music that glorifies you and somewhere in the midst of my commute something's going to speak to me and I don't like the music on the station, then download your own just like I do. Some good Christian stuff, stick that into the with the into your into your system, and just begin to play that and allow the Holy Spirit, thank God we've got this technology, thank God for what He's done, thank God if things get tough, I've got Christian people I can call, so start doing that, and begin to believe God to move in your life. What if we as the people of God began to delight ourselves in God? Woo, it's Sunday. It's time to go to church. I just can't hardly wait to get to the house of God. I don't know what God's going to do today, but I know God's going to do something. I don't know what He's going to speak today, but I know He's going to speak something. I don't know what's going to happen today, but I know something's going to happen somewhere, somehow. I'm just looking for... What if we came into church every time we came into church looking for what it was God was going to do to speak to our heart? And if you're sitting here today, well, I'm waiting for that. Then just keep watching because before you get out of the room, I guarantee you, you're going to find it somewhere, somewhere. Somehow somebody's going to speak something into your life, something that's a nugget. What if we looked at following God as the greatest treasure we ever had in our life? Because you know what? That's exactly what it is. God says it's called the Sabbath a delight. Look at it as the greatest honor you've ever received to follow after me and to know me and to serve me and to walk with me. You don't have to go to a prayer meeting. You get to go to a prayer meeting. You don't have to study God's Word. Nobody's making you do it. You get to study God's Word. You don't have to do anything for God. Remember, have you figured that out yet? You can all stay home. I hope you don't now. But you can. You get to. What if we started looking at following Jesus as the privilege it truly is. Well, I can tell you what will happen. It says, if we'll stop looking for our own pleasure and stop seeking for our own delights and instead find our delight and pleasure in God, then, verse 14, God says, I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. And when God says it, it's a fact. Now, if I ask today, how many of you want God to bless you? Everybody's hands would go up. If I said, how many of you want God to answer your prayers? Everybody's hands would go up. How many of you want revival? Everybody's hands would go up. How many of you want to see a great move of God? Everybody's hands would go up. When God says, okay, I want you to have it more than you want it. But there's some things we need to deal with first. If you think you're going to get this just because you show up on Sunday morning, you I'm glad you're showing up on Sunday morning, but that's, that's not what gets it. If you think you're going to get this just because you listen to Hill songs or whoever you listen to, that's not what's going to get it. I want to change your heart. There's some things in here I want to deal with. I've been dealing with you about it for a long time. You've been holding on to it, making excuses. You don't think you can live without it, whatever the case may be. I'm ready to take that. Because the minute you let it go is the minute you find freedom. So, so I, I want to take that from you and, and listen, this attitude you, you've got it's not going to work. <laughs> you see, in order, I want to set you free from the bondage that you're in, but if I'm going to do that, you've got to set other people free from the bondage that you're holding them under. I, I want to forgive you, and I have forgiven you, but you need to forgive other people too. So let me deal with this stuff because see the thing holding you back. Well, if, <laughs> devil's just been after me so bad and all. I, I just believe I'm under the attack of every demon in hell. Who cares? And some of you looked at me funny when I said that. I'm not being. I'm not trying to be rude or, but but understand, every demon in hell is not bigger than your God. I don't care if the devil himself is standing toe to toe with you and brought every demon with him facing you today. <laughs> Jesus, just the mention of His name makes them tremble. You have more in you than all of the kingdom of darkness ever had or ever will have. That's what I mean. Who cares if all of... uh, The only thing that means, if all of hell is fighting you, you must have a pretty important call of God on your life. There must be something really big going on inside of you. So that's a great thing, not a bad thing. So if you're being fought that hard, bless the Lord. Just get your attention on Jesus. What he's saying is, it's not the devil that's holding back the life of God. It's not the devil that's holding back the blessings of God. It's not demonic principalities that's holding it back from you. Because as a child of God, they're not big enough to do that. God says, if you will let me get on the inside of you and start doing the things that will transform you and you can start living for me and not you, then all of the things that I want to do are going to start taking place in your life one day, one step at a time. You've got your attention on outward things. You've got your attention on other people. You've got your attention on works and achievements and performances. You've got your attention on the enemy. And God's saying, I want you to turn your attention on what I'm wanting to do inside of you, if you will let me work on you, I can take care of everything else that surrounds you but until you let me work on you you may get an occasional blessing but you'll never be able to hold on to it because the thing that's causing the issue is still alive and thriving on the inside so I am thrilled that we had a month of fasting it was a great time I believe God's done some tremendous things but you know what would be greater? Is to live a fasted life. You see, if tomorrow, fasting time is over as far as the official fast, but if tomorrow, if you and I got up, and we just said, you know what? I'm not really officially fasting, but I'd just rather spend time with God than eating this meal right now. I think that's what I'm going to do today. I'm just going to get some time. It won't hurt me to miss one meal. Now, there may be some of you in here, but I'm just being honest. Most of us, it's not going to hurt to miss meal, right? So, you know what? I just want to. I think I just want to spend some time with God, the meal. I'll eat my next meal, but I want to spend some time. And, and you know, maybe, maybe instead of, and this hits me as much as it hits you, may, maybe if, uh, you know, I'd rather spend time with God than being on the phone right now. Phone's going to be there when I get done. I, I want to go spend some time with the master for a little while. Uh, maybe I'm going to turn the TV off right now, and I'm going to go spend some time with the king. I I, want to just, I want to, not I have to, not God's mad at me if I don't, I want to be with Him. What if every day we walked outside of our homes and we looked at other people and we realized it's not about me, it's about Jesus and Jesus cares about these people. God, what can I do in this person's life? God, where's my assignment today? God, who is my mission today? God, who do you want me to encourage today? Who do you want me to help today? Who do you want me to make smile today? God, who, who do you want me to love today? Who do you want me to show your compassion to today? God, show me my mission today. Show me my... Because I know I'm here on purpose. And it's not about me. It's about you and you care about people. What if every day we lived a fasted life like that? You see, what if every day it was not about God, bless me. God, meet my needs. God, give me this. But we were like, God, what do you want? God, I just just desire you and then we just trusted that if we just did what God wanted God would take care of meeting our needs see I believe Isaiah 58 teaches that and I believe what he wants far more than days or months of fasting although those are good things special services and events although those are good things too I believe what God wants is for every day for each of his children to live a fasted life God My agenda is yours. What do you want to do with me? Lord, this life is yours. Show me where you want me to go. God says, you live your life that way, then just watch what I can do. Why don't you bow your heads with me today, would you? Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for time spent in your presence today. We thank you for what you've already done around these altars during worship. Father God, we thank you that your word doesn't return to you empty, but it always accomplishes the purpose you send it for. And God, today I know you're calling each of us. Individually and corporately, you're calling this church. Lord, to dedicate our lives to you. All of our waking moments. All that we are. Lord, to dedicate to you for your glory and your honor. Lord, to do what you want, not what we want. To realize it's about you and not ourselves. Father God, that every day we could pray like John the Baptist, God, more of you and less of me. That I would decrease and that you would increase, Lord. Father God, you desire to set captives free. You desire to loose the bonds of oppression and to relieve the loads of those who are walking in heaviness. You desire to do that in our own lives and you desire to use us to do that in other people's lives. Father God, to get the focus off of ourselves onto the kingdom. Onto your desires. Lord, you're big enough to take care of us and you're big enough to take care of the things that concern us and our families and our churches. If we just trust you enough to touch those things that we're wanting to hold on to, to remove the things that are destroying us. So that we could truly go free and free others. So, Lord, wherever this word needs to go, to whomever it needs to go, I pray that you would speak directly to their hearts. Holy Spirit, let this word penetrate. Lord, it's not too hard for you to do. You can deliver them. Their deliverance is not hard for you, their freedom's not hard for you. Their joy, bringing joy into the place of sadness, is not hard for you. Giving wisdom and direction and guidance, that's not hard for you. But Lord, many times there are things in our lives, ways that we're thinking and ways that we're living, Lord, that keep us locked and trapped in certain patterns of defeat, depression, bondage. God, the fast that you've chosen is the fast that chooses you above those things every day, all day. A fasted life. And God, I pray that that's what we would choose to do. You're the one that empowers us to do it. We can't even do that by ourselves. But you empower us to do it. And I just thank you that you'll empower your people in this room to do that today. In Jesus' name. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed today, I know as surely as I'm standing here, and it actually is just something that is flowing in my heart right now, there are some of you that if you didn't know know how to look at performance, what you're doing or not doing, as what pleases God you wouldn't know anything about following God because that's all you've ever learned and it's all you've ever known it's all you've ever seen and God's little by little trying to get that out of you and boy it's hard it's almost like <laughs> it's almost like somebody's trying to get you to let go of some family heirloom or something because it's just it's all you've ever known and so many people that you love are attached to that way of thinking And but I'm telling you it's destroying you you stay miserable all the time. You never feel like you're good enough. You never feel like you, God really loves you enough. You, you always think you've got some other thing. If I can just do this other thing, if I can just get this other thing right, if I can just and it not only hurts you, it causes you to judge people pretty severely, it keeps you separated from people that God's called you to love, because you're expecting them to perform just like you think you have to perform. I got news for you, all those things that you may be wanting to do may be good, but you're not doing them to get God's attention. You already have it. And He already loves you. And all those things that you think are going to make Him answer your prayers aren't going to make Him answer one prayer any more than anything else. He's just saying to you, Hey, what I'm really wanting is your heart completely given to me. I want you to trust me. I want you to just love me with everything that you are. I want you to let me have everything that you are. I want you just to walk and live a fasted life for every hour, every moment, every day. Every, everything you do and say is committed to me because you love me and you trust me. So if that's you... You've been battling all your, for longer than you can remember with trying to impress God. You wouldn't have called it that. Trying to get God to do because of what you're doing. I'm telling you, God's getting ready to set you free from that. And it's going to be real freedom. He wants to make you whole. He wants you to know that He loves you just like you are. He won't leave you that way, but boy, He loves you that way. He can change you. But you've got to be willing to let go of that system of thinking. You got to be, That's like become an idol in your life. Let it go if you want to be free. I know there's at least one person in the room like that. There may be more. But I want to talk to you first. If that's you, would you lift your hand? Are you ready to be free from that? Are you willing to be free from that? Are you willing to just like just accept the fact God loves you? Just right there, like you are. He loves you. If that's you, I know there's one. I won't wait too long. You've got to make the choice. But if that's you, would you lift your hand? All right, anybody else? I know there's at least one there could be. All right, all right. Anybody else? That's you. That's just been your life. You've been trying to jump through hoops as long as you can remember to just kind of earn God's love. And if that's what you're doing, it also, you wind up doing it for other people too. It just kind of translates out to all of your life. God wants to set, it's a miserable way to live. God wants to set you free. If you hadn't lifted your hand yet and you need to, would you do that? I know I've got, I wasn't even planning on doing that today, but I know God's got some people in here that he wants to set free. Anybody else? Just real quick. All right, secondly. Here's the thing. There's some of us that we're real quick on judging other people about things, but we let a whole lot of things go in our own life. And we wonder why God's not answering this prayer and why God's not doing that and why God's not doing this because we think, look, I do this, I do that. It's the same thing I was just talking to everybody else about. We just don't look at it that way. And God's saying, hey, guys, what I really want you to do is live a fasted life. What I really want you to do is love the people around you. What I really want you to do is to care about what's happening to other people. I want you to forgive. I want you to let people go. I want you to be free and I want you to be willing to free other people. That's the fast I'm looking for. If you want to do something, that's what I want you to do. I'll empower you to do that. This sin that you've been holding on to and excusing, I want it. I want you to trust me enough to let you have it. That idol in your life, that it doesn't matter what I've called you to do, you always bow to that idol because, anyway, because even you stop doing what you committed to me to do because somebody or this other thing steps in the way. I want that. And if you'll let me have that, then you're going to see what I can do in your life. If you know God's talking to you about some of those things, would you lift your hand if you're ready to let those things go? If you're ready to let God get right into the nitty-gritty of your heart and bring some healing, get rid of some idols, Cast some of those things down. Deal with some areas in your life that are holding you back. If that's you and you don't already have your hand up, would you put your hand up real quick? I want to pray for you before we go. All right? Okay? Okay? Anybody else? You know that? All right? Anybody else? Okay, let's stand across this room, would you? Father, in the name of Jesus, I lift up everybody whose hands just went up. Father God, for those who have, as long as they can remember, tried to perform Tried to earn your love and your approval and your blessing. And then they get really aggravated with you sometimes because they feel like they've done enough and you're not doing what they thought you would do. Then disappointment and disillusionment sets in. God, how could we ever do enough? What could we ever do to earn love from you? There's no way. Lord, it's not earned, it's given freely. So we receive your love. They receive your love. It's a gift. It's grace. It's mercy. Just like they received your forgiveness when they gave their heart to you, they receive your love. In the same way that they've received you, your word says, so walk in Him. Every day we live because of grace. Every day we live because of mercy. Every day we live because of your love and your forgiveness and your favor. Lord, help them receive that. No more hoops to jump through. No more performance-based walk with you. And Father God, I thank you they won't expect other people to perform for them either. They're just going to be able to love because you've loved them first. And Father God, for those who Father God, have... Lord, we, do, we can do some pretty religious things at times, and those things are good. But God, they're not so good when we're doing them because we think we're twisting your arm to get you to do for us. So God, I just thank you that they're letting those things go as you speak to their hearts right now. And God, that sin that needs to be confessed, I thank you they're doing that right now. And forgiveness is theirs in Jesus' name. That idol they've held onto is being put into your hands and cast out of their life right now. In Jesus' name. And Father God, I thank you that Lord, the resentment, the bitterness, the unforgiveness that they've held against others, Lord God, they're letting that go because Lord, you forgave them. And as you've forgiven us, you called us to forgive others. Lord, I thank you, you're going to enable us and equip us to live a fasted life dedicated to you for your glory alone. And as we do, we thank you, Jesus, that Lord, then healing will come speedily. Lord, our righteousness will be in front of us and the glory of the Lord will be our rear guard. And our darkest day will be shining like the noonday sun. All because of You. And We give You thanks. We give You praise. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you're in this room today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you're not walking with God like you need to, if you will come and talk to me afterwards today, I would love to talk to you about the Lord and how much He loves you he'll forgive you and release you and make you free so we'll be around as long as you need us to be but otherwise we're going to let you go be blessed no services tonight here go in the grace of the lord